that's also kind of self-reflective. What am I doing as a student that I'm making barriers for myself? Or what can I do as a bridge? How do I reach out? How do I self-advocate for myself? Hey, hey, this is Stacey Cradiville, and you're listening to the Cappuccino Mic Drop Podcast. Hey, Mustangs, happy Monday or happy whatever day it is that you are listening to this episode. Uh, Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Angelica Alvarez, who is a history and avid teacher here at CAP. So let's get started. Okie doke. Angelica, would you rather run three miles on the track or clean up the stadium after a football game? I think I would rather run three miles. No, three miles or three laps? Three laps. Three miles. Oh, three miles. Oh, I thought it was laps. (laughs) Oh, Ooh. Okay. That changes it. <laughs> I thought I was like, I could do three laps. That's easy. <laughs> Ooh, but then like, would I have to clean both sides or just the home side? Yes, the entire stadium. I could probably do that. Like that seems more realistic than running three miles. <laughs> yeah. Running. I mean, I did it. I, but three miles is a lot. That's uh, I totally misread that question. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I think I could clean, I think wouldn't be too bad. I, I know they have those like, um, claws, but I would just like, give me some gloves. Like that seems more efficient. Just give me some gloves and I can just grab everything in like, this is a lose, lose question because it is don't want to run three miles or clean the stadium. That is a bummer, but you could train and build yourself up from three laps to three miles. <laughs> I believe in you. It's only yes. 12 laps on the track. That's true. That's true. So you could do it. it. It's possible. Yeah. It's just training, right? Like with, with everything, it's practice. Like, yeah. But both a lose-lose. Growth mindset. <laughs> Growth mindset. Yes. <laughs> so, and Helica, I know that you went to CAP. But besides that, I don't know your whole journey into teaching and how you ended up becoming a teacher here. So fill me in. So when I was like, my journey into teaching started when I was like really little because, you know, I was a kid who liked to play school and with my cousins, whether that was buying like a mini whiteboard or using like the big closet doors as a whiteboard. And I loved like all of the supplies. And so I like jokingly tell people, yeah, I really went into teaching because I love all of the office supplies, like binders and staplers, like, woo! (laughs) I love back to school shopping too. So it kind of fits in. I knew I wanted to teach. I had like really good teachers and, you know, it was always kind of in my head. And so I got to high school here at Cappuccino and I wasn't sure what I wanted to teach. I knew that it wasn't going to be math because I, math really challenged me. And I was fortunate enough to have the same great math teacher for four years, um, who had a lot of patience with me and really helped me in my math journey. But I just knew that math wasn't a fit. Science was cool, but not to me the most, you know, exciting. And then it was between English and history. And I love to read. So English definitely could have been an option, but grading all these essays, I give big kudos to English teachers. 
And so I was not left with history, but by process of elimination, that's kind of what was, you know, at my door. And I, and I love to watch the history channel. Like I'm kind of a geek and I like, I still like to watch the history channel when they like go to, you know, haunted places across America. Like I'm a sucker for it. And so my sophomore year, I had a teacher who's no longer with us, Miss McAvoy. And she just made history like super exciting, super fun and super engaging. And after that, I was like, okay, that's like, besides process of elimination, that's what I want to do. That's, you know, what I want to get into. So then went right away to a four-year, went to the best school ever, San Jose State, got my degree in history and stayed there and got my credentials. You know, I did my student teaching in San Jose. I was part of a cohort at Independence High School. And what was cool about it is that we had some of our classes on campus and we were allowed to um, go throughout campus and observe different teachers and in campus life. And the kids were really, really good. And that school is huge. It's like 3,000 students, like a little community college. And then I did my final years at Lincoln, also in San Jose, had a great experience there, had a really strong mentor teacher. And then I, I ended in the fall. So it's always kind of a weird spot to be a teacher and to end a teaching program in the fall, because unless you get really lucky, there's not too many options available. So it's like, okay, well, I'll start subbing, right? Give, give me some kind of experience. And so when I applied, I was mostly subbing in the Sequoia School District, Menlo Atherton, because their lead administrative assistant like really liked me and was like filling me in wherever she could. And it was great. The commutes were kind of rough, but it wasn't, you know, horrible. And then once fall came around, I checked Ed join and I saw that we were hiring for stuff. And I was like, let me sign up right away. And so, you know, started subbing Damateo and then here at Cappuccino and Mrs. Fewer, you know, I had went to school with her daughters and so I knew her and I was like, whatever you need, just like plug me in anywhere, everywhere. I don't care. Like, I just want to be here as a sub. It's super close. I like, I can't even remember if I've subbed at all of the schools when I was subbing, but I know I was like mostly here. And so then I got really lucky because in the spring semester, there was a part-time section and I was like, well, you know, some, it's something, you know, all of this is like preparing me in some way or the other, you know, did that, had a great experience and then got even luckier the following year, you know, got hired full time. What's interesting is, or, and funny and kind of full circle is when I graduated, I received a scholarship from the faculty. I was one of the students, you know, lucky enough to get a scholarship and then they had us write thank you notes. And so I remember one of my teachers kind of embarrassing me, Ms. Guerrero, because she was like, hi, Miha, they read your letter. It was so sweet. You said like, one day I'm going to be back. Like, thank you so much. One day I'm going to be back. And I'm like, well, here I am. Like I spoke it into existence. I wrote it down and here I am. And so I knew I wanted to teach her. Like as even as a student, there was no nowhere else I could really picture myself. I had worked, you know, throughout college with a variety. I worked with everyone. I worked with pre-K. I worked with elementary. I worked with middle school. I worked with students with moderate to severe special needs. Like I did it all. 
And, you know, I knew high school was it for me when I worked with Upward Bound. I met some really great students. And one of them, I still keep in contact with. And, you know, she's graduated from East Bay and it's like, makes me feel old, but it also just makes me feel so proud to see her like from a sophomore to now a college graduate and trying to like figure out what she wants to do with her life. I love our, our diversity of kids. Like it's, it's like home. It is home. Mm-hmm. You know, the staff here, I feel like that's something I really wanted to pay forward to our community just because of the great experiences I had. I wanted to be a part of that in you know, helping future generations. Well, everything you just said totally speaks <laughs> to me. I feel like I had a similar path since we're both alumni here. This is such yeah. a cool conversation. <laughs> I love it. I know. And then you subbed for me one time. I remember being like a, a student, I think my senior year, they had just opened up the A-Wing and I had Mr. Cundin and you subbed for him. <laughs> I remember you. I remember. Here we are. <laughs> How funny. So now you're teaching a few different things. You're teaching AVID. And what else are you teaching? So I teach AVID to juniors. This year, I'm also teaching U.S. history with juniors. And then I have uh, U.S. history, but for our ELD learners. And that's all grades. Wow, that's a lot on your plate. That's (laughs) a lot of different preps. (laughs) It is. It is. But, you know, somehow I make it through. So I know a big part of AVID especially is building relationships, and I'm sure that carries over into your other classes as well. But what's something that you like to do to help build relationships, either with between you and the students and peer-to-peer? Well, like with peer-to-peer, and I feel like especially a year coming out of the pandemic, students have really struggled with communication, like face-to-face communication. I've noticed it's been a huge challenge and you know, seeing like, okay, you're going to work in a group and they're just kind of quiet. And I'm like, no, like that's not what, that's not what is supposed to happen. And so for the pandemic, it was like Valentine's day. And I was like, let me be a little cheeky. Like, let's see if there's anything speed dating ish that, you know, you get to know each other. And so I did, right. I found like a bunch of prompts and I had students move their desk and we just did this last week in Avid. And, you know, I go, okay, your, here's your note-taking sheet to kind of give you something to like write down because I'm going to be checking back in with you and you're going to get a prompt and you're going to have like, I think three or four minute conversation with the person in front of you. And some of them are like, what? Four minutes? That's so long. And I was like, if you cannot have a four minute conversation with someone face to face, there's something with that. Like, uh, like it's sad. It's, wow, shocking, but like, you have to be able to have a four minute conversation with someone, you know, I don't want to hear any dead air. And so like, if you finish talking about the prompts, find something else to talk about. And, you know, they did like, there wasn't any dead air. And even my most quiet of students, I have like five students that are like super shy. Everyone else is outgoing, loud in your face, but I was so happy to hear these quiet kids, like talking to these super outgoing kids and even like the quiet kids talking to each other. Cause you know, sometimes when you put two quiet kids together, you get silence, but no, like they were putting on these conversations. And so that was really happy. Uh, That made me happy. And like, 
they love to play password. I was bad idea to introduce it to them because now all they ever want to do is play password. What is that? So um, I was looking for like fun Friday activities to do with them. And it's like an old TV show um, and they did some like remakes. And so what it is, is like, you can be on a team of two, but I just divide the class in half. And I have two students come up to the front of the room and face their classmates with the TV behind them. And so they, the class sees a password. So like, let's say the password is um, tiger, right? Each team gets a chance to give one clue. So you would say like stripes and then they would have to guess. And if they didn't get it, then the other team, you know, and so we go back and forth and they get really, really into it. <laughs> um, and I have a TA. So whenever there's like a controversial call, I'm like, what do you say? Like, you're the judge. Yeah, your name. Do we give them the points? And they just have a really good time with it. Like they're, they're pretty funny. I remember like, again, one of my quiet students, when I, we were trying to figure out, you know, to get points, she was like, you need to get, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> look at you. You're like, not yet. You're like screaming at me to like, you know, give you points. I like it. <laughs> um, you know, and I think like, cultivating relationships it's having those moments of lightheartedness you know like being able to laugh together as a class um to be able to joke like I think that's more bonding than you know talking curriculum or you know if you see if you notice like there's something off with a student having a moment, you know, to step outside with them and check in and see what's going on. Those are the times I feel like the community gets built and makes the classroom, you know, a more welcoming and safe environment for students to be in. Awesome. Yes. Those are <laughs> great. That's great. I love that you play games and have fun Fridays. And um, I've heard about that in, in Avid, that that's a thing that every Friday you like, do these team building types of things. Is that true? Like yes. Day? They like, they like to do it every, fr- every day if they could. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, okay, I run, I've run out of the list. Like I have no more words. Um, yeah. Just different activities, like group things. Um, one time we did a challenge where they had, you know, disposable cups and they had to stack them in different formations, but they couldn't use their hands. Um, it was like a rubber band in like yarn and they each had to kind of like figure out how to like move it and maneuver it. And so they had a really good time with that as well. <laughs> I think we should do it again. Cause like, I didn't know how long it was going to take, but I think I should like pick up the pace and like, you have two minutes to get through all of this. <laughs> and then you just hear like the pressure on. Yeah. They, they love it. That sounds really fun. That's built into the avid curriculum curriculum though. So like, how do you tie that type of thing into your history classes or how would you suggest other teachers build in those moments? Well, I've been wanting to do, um, again, because of the pandemic, students have a hard time communicating, um, with each other. And so I've been, um, originally at the start of the semester, I had wanted to do the speed dating with the kids. But there was this huge surge and there was no kids here. So 
So that, you know, was kind of put on the back burner. Um, and it's still something I want to do with them because I think it would get them more engaged with each other. I wouldn't probably give them four minutes because I have a lot more kids. I'd probably do like two minutes. Um, and again, it's like finding those lighthearted moments with them. I'm tr- like, yeah, like getting off topic. It's okay to get off topic because, you know, telling a story or, you know, laughing. I think laughter is the key to a lot of things. Um, in like ELD, we laugh so much. You know, we get off topic so much. Today, it, and it's and I love it. You know, they're practicing their speaking skills. Um, and so today, sorry, we've been, you know, um, learning about the Ukraine and Russia and the war that's going on over there. And so we're doing like a comparison. And so I assigned like each student a different thing to look at. Just not so much regarding the conflict right now, but just to, to give them an overall sense of like, okay, let me learn a bit, a little bit about the Ukraine and about Russia. Um, and so then I, I was like, okay, I'm going to take your paper and I'm going to put it under the dot cam and you're going to read what you have to say. And oh my goodness, like it was funny because they all roasted each other. Like, what does that say? I can't read that. Like, come on. And like, everyone had their turn. Like, Everyone, everyone got roasted. And then like, there was a few where they put up, oh yeah, I can read that. That's super clear. And it's just like, like, you know, it's not like they were malicious about it, but it was just like, it was just funny. And then like one girl was like, oh, I know they ain't going to be able to read this. So she wrote it big on like a piece of binder paper and was like, here you go. Like (laughs) she, she learned, she was like, no one's going to criticize me. Um, And then, you know, we were, I was, we were talking about like one of the, the, the tribes from, you know, when the Ukraine started off, how they had different nomadic tribes and they were like, what does that say? And I'm like, you know, I, I don't speak the language. And so I was trying to, to say, I don't know what it was. Um, and I was like, I said, I go, no said, but like, we're going to make it up as we go. And they just started cracking up. Like, it's just those moments of, you know, being able to laugh about things. And, and I think the ELD community is special in itself um, because these, they have all of their classes together, right? Like they move together throughout most of, through most of the day and maybe splinter off um, for electives. And I don't know about PE, right? But otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, they travel in packs. Um And I remember getting a new student not too long ago. And I was like, hi, welcome. And right away, they were like, let me see your schedule. Oh, you have this teacher. You have that teacher. Like, and she was like, here, follow me on Instagram and let me follow you on Instagram. And I just, and I was just like, why can't all the kids be like that? (laughs) Like just so warm and, and welcoming. And I wonder if it's, you know, maybe it's a similar journey or story or, you know, reasons for being here that they're just so like, like the kindness that I noticed, um, which, you know, sometimes I don't stop talking. Like we need to, like, I have one point. I'm like, you're still talking like, come on, like, let's like more writing or writing and talking, you know, but it's great. Like, it is great. It's, once you put in all that work to build the community, then 
it's good that they're they're willing and ready to take more people into that community. They're yes. like, oh, come join the club. They're not like being exclusive or anything. Like, yeah. They, and they just always a positive environment. Always bring a smile to my face. Like, mm-hmm. again, right. They were roasting each other and they couldn't read one of the boys. And he was like, you know what? He just took a marker and went up on the board and rewrote it. And I was like, well, there you go. Good. Work on that handwriting. <laughs> exactly. And then on the, and like part of the problem was the boxes were really tiny. Right. But when he wrote it on the board, it was very nice. Oh, see, there you go. Problem solved. Yeah. More space, more space. Note to self, more space. So out of your three different preps, what do you think, or even a prior class that you've taught, what's the best lesson you've ever taught? So I want to say it was my second year teaching here. Um, And when we begin talking about the Cold War on the home front, Uh, in U.S. history, we do an activity called the dot game. And so each student gets like a little piece of paper and it's either blank or it has a dot on it. Um, And so students look at it and then they put it away and then they have to try and form groups without any dots. Like, you know, like, oh, so-and-so is acting super suspicious. We don't want them in our group because whoever, you know, is a dotless group gets extra credit. Um, the idea this sounds like among us. <laughs> yes, probably. I've never played, but probably. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like the dot is supposed to symbolize like communism and, and communist spies within the community, right? That was supposedly that there were. And so that year of teaching, I had, it was fifth period. It was a fifth period. And I had been with this group since they were freshmen. Right. So like, I had seen, I had had some of them, their juniors, some of them, their freshman year when I like kind of subbed around. And so now they were juniors. And um, I remember like I had these really two best friends, like, right, really, really good friends. And, you know, when it was time to reveal one of the best friends had a dot and she was able to sneak her way into a group and her other, her best friend was so upset. Like there was drama. It like ended a friendship. Like they got so into it and they were like, how could you do this? I just thought it was hilarious to see that their reactions, them getting so into that, but like they really got the idea of like, you know, what it must've felt like had someone been betrayed, right? You knew someone and then all of a sudden um, they're communist sympathizers. And so like the whole class, we just laughed and laughed and laughed about it. Wow. And that was the best lesson, even though friendships were torn apart. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the best lesson. They made their way back. Like, you know, there was some side eye in class, but like they, you know, like they talked to each other. They were just, they were overdramatic. When they yes. were it was just, you know, the, it was just so funny to see them take it to that level they take extra credit really seriously. Um, <laughs> but I hope their friendships were mended and they got yes. the gist of what you were trying to teach. Yeah. So by the end of the semester, you know, we were golden again. They were like, I don't even think it was, a, but it was just so funny to see their reactions. That's awesome. So with all the different things that you're teaching between ELD and AVID and your U.S. history class, it must be really difficult to find time to do your own professional development, but what do you do to continue to grow as a teacher? 
So I like to take advantage of the summer because at some point during the summer, I'm like, okay, I need to do something to stimulate my brain. Like I've just had enough time of, um, you know, daytime TV and Netflix is never ending. Sorry. Netflix is never ending. And so like, I need to stimulate my mind academically. So I really love to read. Um, I love to read books. And so besides reading books for fun, I'll try and read like books that are going to help me be a better teacher. And so last summer, I'm trying to think of who I have on my bookshelf. Um, I read Grading for Equity and that was really transformative. It made me think about my grades really differently. And, you know, some of the things that I've done in the past and making changes moving forward. So I really enjoyed that book. Then I also taken classes from Learner's Edge, which is like, we always get like pamphlets in our mailboxes for uh, professional development opportunities. And so I've taken some, since I've been teaching ELD my, since my second year, I feel like that's an area where I need the most help. And so I took a lot of PD on ELD to try and, you know, come up with strategies that can work. How do I make text like accessible to these, to our students who, even though, you know, they're designated as this or that, like even within that, there's so many, like there's a range. And so like the one size approach teach to all is like not applicable and very challenging. So like, how can I scaffold this and what supports can I give students? And also so that they're practicing like all of their literacy skills. And so I have like tons of books for ELD and I'm like, okay, what strategy are we going to do today? Like, you know, what are we doing and how can we apply this? How do we get them talking and talking to each other and you know, really focusing on that more so than like, oh, history. History is just the car, but like the fuel is the literacy skills. Mm-hmm. And then um, in at, with Avid, Avid hosts amazing PD. Like there is not one PD that I have gone to where I haven't come away with something practical that I could use. And so those are every summer. And I like how in the past I've attended, it's, we've gone, when we've gone to San Diego for these trips, it's always right before school. And so I like that. Like to me, going to the AVID conference is like a nice gentle landing from summer into school, like starts to get my brain thinking. I'm trying to think like, what kind of PDs have I been to in AVID? See, then I go blank, Stacy. Like just how to be an avid teacher, right? How, but there's just, there's still so many practical things in there that I can use in all of my classes because, right, right, avid being like college and career preparation, which all of our classes do, but more so focusing and talking about the topics, the skills of like numbering, you know, you're numbering your text, highlighting and annotating and thoughtfully annotating your highlights. I can use that in any of my classes. It's applicable. That's great. I'm glad that you're taking advantage of the summertime to do some of that in between the unwinding, right? Because we all need to like yes. decompress over the like, summer. All of June is like, turn it off. And then like, 
come July, it's like, okay, slowly but surely. Got a reboot. Yes. <laughs> All righty. What's the best mic dropping teacher advice that's ever been given to you? This is a hard one. And I like, I was like, I was looking at my notes. I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, I'm trying to think. I don't even know, Stacy. <laughs> I feel like I had one and then it disappeared. I was thinking about the strengths experience. Well, I think like this idea and it, and it stuck with me. I was a senior and one of our teachers, um, you know, senior, I just kicks in when you're a senior, not me. Cause I was not one. I senior, I just did not. No, not me, but for my peers, you know, it's senior year. So I get it. They just, you know, and it's a struggle that we have today with motivation <laughs> and students turning in work and, I wonder if my teacher will remember this if they hear the podcast. They were frustrated because, like, you know, you put a lot into your lessons, a lot in trying to support students. And when you don't get anything back in return, it's almost heartbreaking. It's crushing. It's disheartening. And so this teacher was like, you know, I, I was talking to a friend and how, you know, missed deadlines in in jobs like could lead to big consequences and so I'd rather you struggle and fall down here and have and be able to help pick you up like give you the support that you need help give you the guidance you know to to get back on track and so as a student to now a teacher that's something that has really stuck with me of like, it's okay if you fall down here because I'm going to catch you. I'm going to help you, but I need to see you trying. I need to see you like wanting it and making that effort to, you know, to dig yourself out of whatever hole you've been in. I just like, I have juniors. And so it's like, you, you all are going to be out there soon. Like if you're planning on getting a job or if you're planning on, you know, going to a community college, a four-year, a vocational skill, like you have to know resiliency and how we can, and how you can like now with us help you learn resiliency skills so that when you're out there, you're kind of able to do it on your own. So I like resiliency and not so many words. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first part of what you were saying about, well, the the first part your advice was really reminding me of a quote that I'm going to probably butcher, but I heard somewhere it was said, do you want to be a barrier or a bridge? And when I heard that, I was like, Oh wow. Like when you say it like that, I want to be a bridge. Yes. (laughs) I don't want to be the cause of, of creating a barrier and an extra barrier for a lot of our kids. So of course I want to be a bridge and high school is the place where we can do that. And I know some people may not say like, oh, I want to be a barrier or maybe they do want to be a barrier, but (laughs) just having the hard deadlines and saying, this is how it is in the real world. You have deadlines. I'm trying to prepare you. Well, that's not really preparing them because there is a lot of flexibility in the real Mm -hmm. world. (laughs) And there are a lot of people in the real world that are bridges and are giving you grace and work with you to support you along the way. Even though we want them to build their resiliency, we don't want to be the barrier. No. And I, we also like, don't want them to be barriers themselves. Like to, to like, to like, yeah, we don't, 
like you said, do you want to be this? Do you want to be a barrier or do you want to be a bridge? I think that's also kind of self-reflective and like, what am I doing as a student, right? That I'm making barriers for myself or what can I do as a bridge? How do I reach out? How do I self-advocate for myself? You just now have a reflection question ready to go for tomorrow. Yes. (laughs) Would you rather be your own barrier or your own bridge and get over? This is going to be my question on Monday because we had our come to Jesus moment this week. And so on Monday, this so after a week of reflecting, what do you guys think? Because yeah, it can definitely work both ways. And, you know, we want to be that bridge. Like you fall down. Okay. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you back up. Yeah. Just... I wish we had more classes that were like life skills. I think, I wish, I mean, I would have benefited from that as a student. And I think, you know, this generation can as well. Well, thank you so much, Angelica. That was a wonderful chat. And thank you to everyone listening. Just to give you a heads up, this is episode 17. You guys, I thought when I first started this that I would do like eight or maybe 10, like 10 would be pushing it. I was just going to test it out and see how things went, but things went great. And I really enjoyed talking to everyone. I hear the feedback from those of you listening that this is fun and valuable and that you love hearing from our colleagues. So I hope I can keep it going to a season two. We'll see what happens next year. But for sure for this year, season one is going to wrap up with 20 episodes. OMG, our last episode will drop on May 16th. And it's going to be a special one that'll hopefully get us all set up for a restful summer of reflection and planning for next year alongside getting some some much needed rest and sunshine. So anywho three episodes to go. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your week.